I'm Mary O'Driscoll and welcome to the podcast series Climate Emerge Gen Z. I'll be looking at the challenges posed to the climate movement here in Edinburgh and around the world. I'm here to learn about and discuss the most important issues we face as we transition to a more sustainable society. In this episode, I speak to Howard Beck from Sustainability Partnerships, who tells us about the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill, the role of awareness raising in combating climate destruction, and the upcoming event, The Future Speaks, in which young people in Scotland are given the opportunity to discuss the climate emergency with their MSPs. Hi Howard, how are you today? Um, Very well, thank you, Mary. Thanks very much for inviting me. Oh, no, it's great. It's really good to talk to you about the Future Speaks and all the other stuff that that you're doing in Edinburgh for the climate movement. That's really exciting. Um, Could you introduce yourself and tell us about how you're involved in the climate movement in Edinburgh? Uh, Yes, I'm involved in a number of different areas, uh, in particular, all around outreach and engagement, grassroots engagement with um, encouraging people to take up the issue of climate change and sustainability. Mm. So I suppose the main things that I'm involved with are, I'm involved with a student group regarding education, taking climate education into schools. And that particular group, I work with teachers called sustainability partnerships. I'm also involved with the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill uh, national team, and that's a campaign that's based around the bill that's been put into Parliament, uh, been put in by Caroline Lucas from the Green Party, and aiming to get uh, uptake from all politicians, all MPs in, in Westminster. Those are the two main activities. I'm also quite involved peripherally in community actions, uh, involved with, interested in setting up a hub for Edinburgh, community hub. But that as yet doesn't have a a form, but we are working on a bid for that too. Okay, Um, so what kind of hub? Could you elaborate on that? Because that sounds quite interesting. Well, I... The focus of the hub is to try and build coordination between all community groups in Edinburgh. As it stands, we've got literally hundreds and thousands of separate activities that are happening at a, at a small scale level. And we know at the top level, Edinburgh's put, Edinburgh Council has declared a climate emergency and set really ambitious targets mm. around achieving net zero by 2030. Mm-hmm. To achieve that, they are looking for a contribution from communities and community groups and civil society groups. And to bring it together, it's fairly clear there needs to be some coordination. If everything operates independently, it's very unlikely that the full power of and energy of the groups involved will achieve what uh, what we're hoping to achieve. So that it's really built... The, what we're aiming to do is to build coordination both at a community level and at a city-wide level also looking to raise awareness and education throughout the city okay wow yeah a hub sounds like a very good idea to me and that's actually something that Johanna touched on in her podcast interview as well that there needs to be a kind of coordinated effort and a way for all the grassroots 
movements to work together to achieve the same goal because if everyone's working independently that's not not necessarily the best way to make progress so yeah, uh, yes exactly and I am working with Joanna on that as well so oh are um, you okay yes great okay cool um so I was wondering could you tell me a bit about the future speaks the event that's coming up on the 22nd of January Right. Well, it's probably useful to give a little bit of background to the group that I'm part of, Sustainability Partnerships. Mm -hmm. um, that's a group um, that I'm working on with teachers. And the Future Speaks is a really important event for us. Mm -hmm. But to put it into context of our aims, we are trying to build awareness and um, engagement with the topic from all aspects. And I suppose for us, we're thinking of learning for sustainability as defined by the learning for sustainability research group and community group mm. as being an inspiration for the way that we see things going. The focus of learning for sustainability is to increase the awareness of students. Uh, learning for sustainability have as one of their core principles the entitlement of all students to learn about climate change and sustainability. That's a very radical change from where we are at the moment. To achieve that, this clearly needs to be a number of things happen, and one of which is to uh, engage with a number of teachers, to change the way in which teacher training happens, to develop ways in which teachers have the opportunity to spend time on this subject and to incorporate, incorporate it into their own practices. So that's a key part. And in addition to that, learning for sustainability focus in on a whole school, what they call a whole school approach. Mm -hmm. And a whole school approach is looking at the entire, the school as an organization, just looking at the carbon footprint as one of them, looking at oh, the way okay. in which parents are involved, looking at all aspects of the school and also leading out into touching base with communities, so actually being uh, a part of the community. So all of those things are part of our aims with sustainability partnerships, very much focused on that. We're, we're essentially a grassroots organisation, really not waiting for government or education departments to change practices, but we want to get started as soon as we can. Would that mean like alterations in the curriculum and and that kind of thing? Or do you mean kind of going into schools and giving educational sessions as a grassroots organisation that's external? The latter. Yeah, okay. We're, but that, that said, we're looking for all possible ways of engaging. And mm. uh, we don't want to wait for the curriculum to be adapted and changed. Right. There's clearly an absolute hunger from students and from many people to start yeah. engaging with this this subject. And there's really no reason why students can't be given the opportunity to hear about the issues, to, to really start thinking about it for themselves. So it's not something which is just a one-way process, but it's clearly something that students feel strongly about and should be able to express themselves about. And that's really what we've been looking at doing in the lead up to COP26 is to have a series of workshops through schools and in Edinburgh and Scotland. Mm. What we've managed to do prior to that is to 
start engaging with local politicians to provide an opportunity for students to talk to MPs. And the event that you referred to, which is called The Future Speaks, is going to be an online panel discussion on climate and ecological emergency between Lothian High School students, Edinburgh High School students, MPs and MSPs. It's obviously a particularly important time with COP26 coming up and Holyrood elections coming up. Um, of course, Holyrood elections are only a few months away mm -hmm. and the students that we're talking about are all entitled to, to vote. When you're talking about senior students at school who are in S5 and S6, they're yeah. generally going to be available and um, in a position to vote. So it's time that they had a chance to find, wow. find, about, find out about the issue and express themselves on the issue so MPs and MSPs learn what their constituents actually feel. Absolutely. Wow. So is your target group really the kind of S5 and S6 group, the ones who are old enough to vote? That's our primar primary focus for this event. Okay. So it, it is, but at the same time, we are looking to make contact with, with schools through a small survey, which is going to be going, going ahead in the next few weeks. Mm. And in, in the survey, we'll be giving students an opportunity to express their own views on the climate emergency and particular issues, issues of concern, mm. and also to start an engagement. So we're really interested in seeing if you start the conversation, where does it go to? Um, and um, for that reason, we're not restricting the survey just to S5s and S6s, but that's really for us the focus for the uh, the Future Speaks event, which is coming up on the 22nd, just, just three weeks away. Yeah. Okay, no, that sounds like an important event and a good opportunity for young people to have their voices heard. So hopefully we can get as many young people as possible to attend that. Um, something that I find interesting about the sustainability partnership is the fact that I feel like a lot of young people the majority of what they learn about climate change comes from the internet, just because obviously we've got so many resources online now, especially a conversation about climate change. But it's really important to be having those conversations in school and making sure students are getting the correct information as well. So I think bringing uh, that discussion into schools is really important, actually. So, yeah. um, yes, I couldn't agree with you more, but it's not so much just on getting the correct information. I always find students are surprisingly well informed. So that mm. there's a fantastic starting point. Yeah. But I think what is important is to give students the opportunity to talk in a more structured way. So that mm. the idea of uh, having a deliberate, deliberative discussion, mm. I think that type of approach to the way that climate education uh, is presented is absolutely critical. In part, it's because it's such an emotional subject and mm -hmm. the expressing oneself on the topic and getting a sense of what's possible, what's not possible, what one's concerns are. All of these, all of these topics mm. are so much better once you're talking about it and getting responses from uh, friends and from teachers. Yeah, I imagine the classroom environment as well allows a kind of solution-focused 
approach as well because I think sometimes when you talk to friends about climate issues it's kind of you're all just a bit sad about it or you're a bit like you say it's an emotional topic and you don't it doesn't necessarily feel as productive for coming up with ways to deal with it and so I think maybe a classroom environment like if you're having debates or that kind of thing might be a really good place for new ideas to form. Yes, I think that's the, the word that you've just used, new, I think is really important because I think we can all get stuck in a little bubble where we go round and round the same concerns and issues and it's so much more constructive to find other people who have a new idea that you haven't been aware of or hadn't been engaging with. And so uh, absolutely, I think uh, the school environment is excellent for that. Absolutely. Okay, well, we've pretty much touched on this, but I kind of still want to ask you this question just to see if you have any further ideas. So why do you think education is so important when we're tackling the climate crisis? Well, it's, it's an interesting question. I've, uh, it's an area which I've gravitated towards. I do have a background of being involved with a number of outreach projects. I've had involvement with education previously, but um, I think education people are beginning to recognise just how important it is. And COP25, you may know that both Italy and Mexico raised the issue of school education at a very high level. So both Italy and, and Mexico are looking to have universal education and uh, it's starting to become recognised. Mexico is planning to include it in the constitution. The reason why people are so concerned that students know about it is that in moving to sustainability, sustainability throughout the population, or if we take the population of Edinburgh, Mm -hmm. it's pretty clear decisions need to be based on, on good information and attitudes form through information. The whole focus is... Sometimes I think it's wishful thinking to just believe the population is going to change its mind, Mm -hmm. um, its mind, or the the people will change their minds. It really does require careful thoughts, assessing what it really means, what are the impacts, who that you know is impacted around you, What's going to happen in Scotland? What's yeah. going to happen? What What about all our relations, relationships with countries that so many people in Scotland come from, whether mm. it's Bangladesh or Malawi or Africa? A, a number of these countries are really going to suffer enormous consequences. And just to be able to start thinking about it uh, and bring it into one's gut reaction mm. on decision-making, I think uh, education's got a key part to play in that. Yeah, absolutely. So what would you hope for the future in terms of, obviously, I assume you'd like it to be much more in the curriculum talking about climate change. And I guess that would be mainly in science class. But I suppose there's ways that it could be brought into business studies, English language, those kind of things. It's a very good point that you, well, good question that you're asking there. (laughs) It's it is clearly uh, very important to people involved in science and there's aspects of scientific knowledge which is critical to understand it. So much of climate change relates to changes in the science. It's a bit like COVID in some ways. We've all had to learn something of COVID. We've had to mm-hmm. understand what risk is. We've yeah. had to understand what follow the science actually means and we have to f- realise that science is 
something that is developing. It's not just there and we all know about it. So science is absolutely critical, mm -hmm. but it's far from being the only topic, only subject yeah. that, that's relevant. I, I, I think this critical areas around climate justice, and I would think of subjects like modern studies and history being very concerned with the the issues of, of climate change, uh, the fact that one part of the world pollutes and the other part uh, suffers the consequences. Mm. That as a topic uh, is, is obviously important to, mm. to consider. And that's, that's in the field of social sciences. In the arts, we've seen so many dramatic forms of, of art, whether it's in pieces of visual art or music, which are starting to pick up on climate change and ex people are expressing themselves mm. through through their art and have, having a reaction on climate change. Uh, these are important topics to be incorporated in. And I think within the Scottish education system, a curriculum for excellence is, a, is an excellent vehicle mm. for promoting this wide-ranging engagement with a topic and uh, interdisciplinary learning. So just... As a summary, I think it's more than just science yeah. subjects that are involved. Absolutely. Also, you mentioned history, and I think that's such a good point as well, because we can understand the climate crisis better when we understand Britain's history, all the colonies that we've had and our role in history and like maybe <clears throat> taking responsibility for that and recognising that we're not perfect, because I do feel sometimes in history we're painted a very positive picture of the UK, at least in my, that's my education experience. So I think learning about that side of things is also relevant to the climate crisis as well. Uh, yes, that's a, that's a very important point. Obviously, that history is a, a substantial part of that involves extraction of fossil fuels from various parts of the world. And uh, that's been done by, by countries, obviously, with their own self-interest. At heart, so it's clearly the relationship to countries is an important thing to be thinking about. Yeah. Um, but also other aspects of history is just to look at recent history, uh, the history of climate change, the way in which things have not changed, the action of governments have not altered the scale of the climate change that we're facing. It started in. 1992, that COP20, that was the first of the United Nations international meetings. And since then, we've only just seen continuous series of um, conferences, but without any impact on the trajectory of, of carbon emission. So the recent history of climate action is really important for everybody to understand that it has been unsuccessful and it's mm. really worrying to think that we're just going to listen to words as we have for the last 25, year, 25 years and treat it as being uh, a given that the words is, are enough. If somebody commits to something, it doesn't necessarily mean that we get there. And that's a lesson from recent history that we all need to learn. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. And I guess the more students that are educated on the failings that we've had in terms of not tackling the climate emergency in the past I guess more students are going to be inspired to take that action and realize the importance of not just having empty words you know taking actually taking productive action so yes that, and just just to round the circle on that that's exactly 
the policy that um, the learning for sustainable for sustainability policy that is in place mm. so um, it's critically important that uh, the circle comes all the way around that people who learn about the issue learn about the impacts and mm. uh, the, the potential for action are given an opportunity to to act constructively yeah. And that is a, that's a focus of the Learning for Sustainability principles and approach. That's great. It sounds so important, the work that you guys are doing. Like, I'm, I'm very impressed. Um, what do you think are the biggest obstacles we face as we transition to a climate neutral capital city? Well, there's, there are a lot, obviously. Well, first of all, I think the right, we need to be able to follow the science and that sets up targets which are extremely ambitious. Mm. Science has set up a target of 1.5 degree warming since pre-industrial times. That is a huge obstacle, huge target. Well, I suppose it's not an obstacle, it's a target. Mm. But I think people quite easily transform uh, the science into a different target. Mm. Uh, for example, net zero by 2050, which is certainly nowhere near the same as um, achieving a 1.5 degree uh, limit. Mm. So the first thing is no game playing around around the targets. We need to follow the science. That's the most most important thing. Yeah. And then if we look at from a politician's point of view, politicians can't act without strong support from their constituents. They need to know constituents are actually concerned about the issue, and. For uh, politicians to act, they can't be going against popular opinion. That's mm. simply not possible. So there's a very important shift in focus. There's also a lot of, uh, when we're looking at obstacles, the timescales are extremely short and we don't have plans in place. And many of the plans are going to cost money. It's a very bad time mm. to be expecting large amounts of infrastructural outlays yeah. but that is part of what's what's got to happen we certainly the uh, electricity system needs to uh, get to get to uh, net zero as soon as possible um, so that's a very important important aspect and i guess within within edinburgh we touched upon the obstacles in terms of people actually being able to contribute mm-hmm. so um, we actually have a, a city in which many, many people do want to contribute but don't have a good way to do it. To make it a city in which people, their clubs, their organisations, their schools, their businesses, all the different groups who are involved in the city know about what will make a difference and they're um, encouraged to make a difference. That's a, that's a huge undertaking. That mm. uh, it's something that it starts from a good base in terms of attitude. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, that's um, lots of obstacles ahead of us then, but that's good. Thank you for sharing that. Um, So I was actually just wondering about the practicalities of a hub. I know you mentioned the hub earlier and I was wondering how can we get all of the different groups to collaborate? Would it be a physical space? Could you kind of paint a picture of what a collaboration Edinburgh-wide would look like? Um, Well, number one is to engage early with a number of different groups. I'm not really in a position to answer the question more than just provide an opinion for myself. It's yeah. clearly, <laughs> clearly something 
that needs to involve a number of people in, mm-hmm. in the setting up of a hub. Mm-hmm. It, is a, it is something that has been proposed by Scottish Government, so it's not um, whether or not it actually happens, or it's been floated rather than being proposed by Scottish Government. And the form will partly be determined by the way, the way in which it's structured. I would say that if we're talking about a hub within Edinburgh, there's a few key elements. One of them is to enable groups who are working on similar areas. So if we think of the kinds of areas that community groups are involved with, it could be it could be active travel, groups like SUSTRANS mm. are involved, but many, many spokes, many, many groups are involved with active travel, Lothian buses. They're all really dealing with the problem of reducing substantially our carbon emissions from from transport. Then there's obviously also green spaces. Um, Many groups involved with gardens and green spaces. It would be very helpful to bring together good practices and enable people to to be working together and on many people are are interested in uh, health and change of of lifestyles. Mm. That's another area that people might work on. Electricity and green power, buildings, uh, building insulation and green heating of buildings. These are topics that a number of groups are working on separately. So number one, provide a means for each of these groups who are working in parallel to come together into some action groups and perhaps provide uh, efficiencies by funding together, supporting supporting the development of projects at a city-wide level. So that would be one, one area. Another area is that's important is to open up the efforts to everybody. So there needs to be a part of the initiative of developing a hub must be to encourage new people, to encourage everyone to bring in what you referred to before, new ideas. So this is not something that gets blocked by people who are already established, but uh, established, but there's a sub- substantial element of welcoming new people in. The third area that you would guess that I'm interested in, and that's around awareness raising and education Mm -hmm. of people and communities. Um, This has actually been very successful in other other areas, in particular places like Camden and London and other areas like Bristol are also very informed communities. So we can learn from from other groups. Mm -hmm. And I think... Finally, to have some kind, well, this is in in terms of the way I'm thinking of it, Mm -hmm. is to have some top-level grouping that could really represent communities and that the the authorities, City Council, the Edinburgh Climate Commission, the um, Scottish Government, other partners, other potential city partners could engage with. So instead of needing to engage with hundreds of separate groups, there is uh, a way in which Edinburgh could act as a, as a partner. So those are, the, those are some of the thoughts that I've got in, in my mind. There's, there's also, there's got to be some management and governance of the overall programme, bringing people together, setting up projects, making sure that there's support for running projects effectively, reporting back on projects, and all of those those things. So there's there is a kind of professional 
program management as well that, that needs to be provided. So I've kind of given a, a broad framing of the way that uh, the way that the people that I'm working with have been thinking about things. Yeah, no, that absolutely has helped me envision it because I think I was struggling to see how all of these groups could possibly come together. But yeah, categorizing them in terms of what they actually focus on and then people working within those groups, actually, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, yeah, just one other point related to that that I, that I wasn't clear about, and that is that groups are naturally linked by, by their community area. So mm -hmm. neighborhoods uh, bring people together Course, and it's, yeah. it's very natural for people who, where there are uh, multiple community groups within a small area, they can work together much more effectively, even if it's not exactly on the same theme. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Yeah, no, that's a good thing to be considering um, when making the hub. That's really cool. Thank you. I guess something that I'm quite concerned with is the way that at the moment to me it seems that the climate movement is a very specific demographic a lot of the time in the UK and so a lot of the time it's white middle class people are most heavily involved generally um, and I'm wondering do you think that education is a way for us to create more space for other demographics to be involved and to be part of the conversation? I don't think it's enough. I think it is okay. helpful. Mm -hmm. I have the same concern that you do. Mm. It's it's absolutely critical that we realise uh, that this is climate justice is absolutely at the heart mm -hmm. of the climate problem. You can't just treat it as a carbon problem. It is a carbon problem, but it's a human impacts problem as well. And we've seen from COVID that different groups are massively differently affected. Mm. So it's. I think it's more than just education. I think people have been made aware through the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of the reporting around COVID is just very evident mm. that it does impact people differently. And young people are a group in the, in the context of climate who are obviously disadvantaged because they will be living through a period where there is more carbon in, in the atmosphere. So mm. it is very important. Uh, just just to look at other ways to think about it other than just just education mm. rather than let me just try and think of the way in which community groups and civil society groups tend to develop at the moment they yeah. tend to develop in the way that you suggested with people who are well informed in different areas coming together and they typically represent quite an quite a narrow a homogeneous uh, group which looks from the outside to be privileged. There are groups who are beginning to become uh, to rep the, represent uh, diversity within uh, Scotland. I'm thinking of a group like All in One Education, which is um, challenging standard education and attempting to rethink education, rethink the content. Mm. I think that's important. I think for civil society groups, when they're building up plans, it would be very helpful to be informed, uh, perhaps by an advisory group that's much more diverse, taking into account uh, different, different factors like poverty, age, uh, 
I think we've seen racial groups within the UK suffering a great deal more with yeah. COVID, and I think the same thing is likely to apply with uh, with climate change. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a number of different steps, not just hoping that education will solve the climate justice problem. We need right. to look for additional engagement of other people to ensure that uh, all the people who are involved in the problem are, um, have a chance to give voice and we're not just thinking of it from a very narrow perspective. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that helps me understand that a bit better. Um, what would an ideal world look like for you in 10 years time? And if you could change one policy, like at the snap of your fingers, what would it be? Um, they're both very good Um, the first one I would hope in 10 years time that there's consensus around the need for urgent action Mm -hmm. and that it's not a politically divided issue Mm -hmm. it's something that action happens because people know that it affects everyone and it affects people that they love and people that they're concerned about. Mm-hmm. I would hope that that's, that would be happening. That clearly, do, that's not spelling out all the changes that, that need to happen in terms of the, the practical steps to, to achieve sustainability, but it clearly involves shifting away from a focus on profit to being a focus on well-being, and some of these ideas are starting to emerge, but it's, it really needs to be gut reactions that people see things in, in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. And um, you, the second question you asked was about what, what policy yeah. would change. Um, I think that, I think I would, um, I would come back to the um, Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill and I would that, for me, is the, most, the single most important change in policy that would come. There's obviously a suite of policies that would flow from it, but the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill really puts science at the front of the way in which we approach all the changes that, that are needed. And with science leading the changes, policies are no longer static, Changes happen in terms of what we learn about about problems. The shift towards a very ambitious target, which is least damaging to the planet, 1.5 degrees, mm. that would be enormously important rather than focusing in on targets like 2050. Mm. Um, and starting to look at things in a more international way, looking at uh, the UK's contribution of demand. So many of the emissions that we count as happening in China obviously come from the demand that we set up here in Britain. True, yeah. So it's really the policy, in summary, the policy change is for me uh, really to promote the Climate and Ecological Emergency Bill. I think that would move, move British-UK policy radically Mm. And it would focus on the science. And I think that would, that would be all, all to the good. Okay. No, that sounds really good. Um, I actually, 
also have one more question. So they, <laughs> they were not my last questions. I was okay. just thinking, could you just tell us how students can take part in the survey, if there's any students listening, how they can be involved in the event and also giving feedback in that survey that you were talking about? The event's going to be publicised and it's made available through Eventbrite. So the first thing is to a link to the event will be provided through Eventbrite and we're hoping for a very good turnout for that and for some interesting questions to come. So looking forward to that. The survey, we're planning for this to come through schools. We're going to be approaching schools in Edinburgh asking for headmasters to pass on uh, the survey to teachers and then on to all the students. So it shouldn't be something that uh, requires action at this point from students, but in the next couple of weeks, the surveys will be distributed directly to each student and they will come come through the schools. Okay, maybe you could send me the link to the Eventbrite the event and then I can have that on the podcast as well so that if anyone's listening they can just click that link and get their tickets. I'll, I'll do that. I'm hoping that it, that, that Eventbrite uh, event is now up or it's about to be going up so I'll do that as soon as it's available. Thank okay, you. Okay yeah that would be great. Okay well I think that's everything for today then. Thank you so much Howard for talking to me. It's all been so interesting. Well thanks very much for inviting me again. Yeah, no, it's it's been great. Yeah, thank you. And hopefully we get a good turnout for the, the Future Speaks event. Fingers crossed lots of students come and contribute to that. That will be really interesting to see what they all have to say. Thank you. One thing I did think about beforehand that I mm. forgot to mention, and that was about partnerships, because the, a substantial part of what we're doing is connecting to other groups. So there's groups, I did mention Learning for Sustainability, I did mention teach the future which was a huge omission there it's a student group who are really helping very substantially so we're putting it on with teach the future I, could yes, you just so tell me a little bit quickly about teach is it teach the future teach, teach the future is a group of students who've come out of uh, strikes and are acting in a very constructive and productive manner they're looking to have climate education brought into the school raise awareness get teachers learning about uh, about the subject and uh, they're looking for a whole school approach so many of the things are very like the learning for sustainability approach and they're working very closely with sustainability partnerships uh, on this future speaks events um, that's coming up something i also didn't mention is that we are taking the future speaks event from edinburgh to the other seven parliamentary regions of of scotland so it's going to be this will be the first of eight events oh wow we're running okay that's great so that's you're going to get a lot of feedback there from young people then um and a lot of conversations going between young people and their msps so that's really exciting wow yes and what we're what we're planning is with the surveys to provide communication and information aside from anything else Mm. we're looking to open up a channel with MPs and MSPs that's obviously important Mm. but in addition to that we're wanting to provide information to MPs and MSPs about the concerns of young people what prompted me to uh, really consider this to be an important issue to involve to bring parliamentarians 
to hear the concerns of students was an Ipsos Mori poll that was undertaken about a year ago, mm. which showed that in the age group 18 to 26, 18 to 24 or 18 to 26, there are 96% of the population of that group who expressed concern, either concern or high concern. Mm. And that just reflects the Gosh. extent to which this is a matter of public concern. Absolutely. And, That's and a huge Politicians statistic. need to be acting on, on a matter of that greater concern. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay, wow. Thank you. No, that's a a very good statistic to be adding in there. Um, Okay, I think that's everything now. Is that that all good? good? Okay, awesome. Thanks so much for chatting to me, Howard. It's been really good. Well, that was my conversation with Howard Beck from Sustainability Partnerships. If you want more information about the Future Speaks event, then you can click the link in the description and feel free to share it with the young people in your life. I hope you found that chat as interesting as I did. This has been Climate Emergency. Thank you for listening.